each day changes his tune. Um, he says one thing one day and one thing another day. And it's still on the Liberal Party's website that it believes in individual freedom and the free market and all those things. But they're just words now, I think. And you, you, voters now have to look, well, which parties actually stand up for these things? Welcome to Deconstructing ScoMo, the podcast. I'm joined by the authors Rocco Loyacono and Augusto Zimmerman in just a minute. But just to let you know, you haven't heard of Lock Press before. And what it is, is a self-publishing company. Uh, it helps conservative and Christian authors around Australia to get their work to market with a chance of getting a greater share of the profits. That's because they're self-publishing. And what uh, I'm helping to do under the brand Lock Press is to help market them, spread the word and uh, increase awareness because uh, what they need to do is sell a lot more copies, make a lot more profit. And we need to encourage conservatives to see a worthwhile pursuit that can actually feed their families from thinking conservative and raising the calibre of debate in this nation. I hope you agree and uh, I hope you uh, will consider buying many of the books that are to come. But first of all, this one, Deconstructing ScoMo. I'm joined right now by Rocco Loyacono and Augusto Zimmerman. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for writing this book and uh, then doing the podcast to help us know what's in it and why we should invest in it in the face of the upcoming election. It's good to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, let me start with you, Augusto. I want to ask uh, essentially how the idea for this book came about. Uh, tell me what is the idea? What are people buying when they buy this book? And uh, how was the idea put together that this was something that Australia needed? Well, definitely this is something uh, the Australians needed. Need to know more about uh, what uh, our government uh, is doing and it has done in the past. And um, I had a conversation with my good friend, Rocco. We both have written uh, many uh, accounts of uh, what's taking place in this country, in this nation. And I thought it was uh, the moment to uh, provide a proper historical record of the um, mismanagement of, uh, of governmental affairs by the prime minister, who never ceases to disappoint me so the book, in a certain sense, is not even entirely updated because every time I have to read the newspapers, I always uh, encounter something disastrous that the government is uh, about to uh, carry out. So I just thought that was the moment after hundreds of uh, evidences that he doesn't really uphold a proper Christian uh, uh, worldview or perhaps uh, I would say conservative values in general, that it was the time for us to um, be able to reveal the truth to the general public, expecting that uh, those who agree with us will never vote for left-wing parties, certainly not voting for Labour, but that they will actually consider uh, how to approach these next elections in a in a conservative way, and certainly perhaps uh, consider not rewarding uh, the Prime Minister for having certainly betrayed the conservative constituency. 
And this book is an academic book, but it's written in a journalistic fashion so that everybody can have a very proper understanding of how dreadfully the prime minister has been conducting the affairs of this nation. Rocco, why is there a need for this book at this time in Australia? Well, it, dovetail, dovetailing into what um, Augusta was saying, it, it need, there needs to be uh, an historical record of uh, the Prime Minister's statements and his deeds uh, over the course of his time in the Lodge. There really isn't that at the moment. And the reason why there isn't that is because each day changes his tune. Um, he says one thing one day and one thing another day. Like, uh, like, for example, a few months ago, he was criticising Western Australia, saying over here we're, we're going to be living in the caves because we're, we're still locked up. And then the other day he came over here and praised Mark McGowan and saying he did the right thing by keeping the borders closed. And the Australian public needs to know just how much of a windsock he is. And there's no historical record of how much he's flipped and he's flopped uh, on so many issues over the course of his prime ministership and exactly um, how much he has indeed betrayed conservative values because there is this view out there um, that, look, uh, look, the Liberals are bad, but the Labor Party is infinitely worse. Well, um, I don't think now it's the Conservatives can actually afford to vote Liberal anymore uh, because the, the, the Liberal Party and the Coalition uh, Government over nearly eight years in office haven't implemented a single Conservative uh, policy, a single policy a centre-right government would be proud of, and we needed to record that and put that before the Australian people when they, when they go to vote. Wow, that's quite a uh, damning statement uh, that they haven't implemented a single conservative policy. Um, I, I want to play devil's advocate, but I, I'm not sure I can imagine anything they have. What about, and this is one that I've, I've put to people, uh, and it's probably the best answer I've come back that has come back to me, is when they put in place the legislation which empowered the federal government to undo Dan Andrews' collaboration with the communist Chinese government uh, for the Belt and Road initiatives. Was mm -hmm. was that fairly right-wing conservative or is that something any good Labor government might have done as well? Well, I mean, you look at uh, if it were, uh, if people, more people like Kimberly Kitching um, were in the Labor Party and were leading the Labor Party, um, uh, it's something a good Labor government would have done. I mean, go back to the Hawke-Keating years, I, I don't think... Uh, Bob Hawke or Paul Keating would have countenanced um, uh, such a such a deal. I mean, uh, Bob Hawke uh, definitely had uh, uh, was uh, um, outraged in his condemnation of what happened after the Tiananmen Square massacre. So I really couldn't I couldn't understand a, a labour a labour government led by the likes of Chifley and Arthur Corwell and Bob Hawke and Paul Keating um, uh, allowing Daniel Andrews to get away with it. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, yes, can I say other, something about I mean, this? The other thing too, sorry, Augusta, and sorry, Dave, the other thing too is foreign affairs in this country should actually be bipartisan. Yeah. Um, you should, yeah, and that's something a, a government in Canberra should have been doing anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, kudos to the coalition for doing it, but it's something that should have been done irrespective of which parties in government in the lodge in, in Canberra. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I want to question that. When you mean bipartisan, do you mean not a state issue or do you mean Labor and Liberal would have the same philosophies towards um, international relations? 
I mean, foreign policy in this country generally, um, since you know, since the Menzies era, I mean, it was it was uh, it was actually Menzies that um, started uh, turning more towards more towards Asia, um, and that was picked up again by 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 the ALP when it when it was in office. Um, but in terms of you know recognizing uh, recognizing uh, threats to Australia's security, um, it, and not only economic but but defence security. I mean. That that yeah that 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 should be uh, that should be something that both parties I would have thought um, would, would recognise and there wouldn't there wouldn't be any political debate on that. Yeah, yeah, totally fair, uh, Augusto. Augusto, there is clear an attempt to, to be partisan only when it comes to the undermining of the rule of law and of constitution. Uh, there is. Uh, a certain um, connection between the two parties uh, when uh, uh, you have the likes of Dan Andrews and uh, and uh, this uh, uh, character who happens to be the prem premier here in Western Australia doing terrible things and having the full support of the prime minister. So what happened, for instance, uh, when... Uh, the Premier was dis violating, disrespecting Section 92 of the Constitution, was a Prime Minister sending an official letter congratulating him for undermining the Constitution. And let's not forget that Dan Andrews uh, was enthusiastically supported by Scott Morris when he was destroying the lives of countless people in Victoria, when he was doing the worst lockdown in the world, the worst lockdown in the whole world was supported, enthusiastically supported by the Prime Minister to the point that he uh, openly expressed this uh, uh, satisfaction for seeing what uh, Dan Andrews was doing to his own people. So it's really uh, a very regretful thing to see that these two parties now are working in a sort of unholy alliance to the undermining of the Constitution and the undermining, ultimately, of our fundamental rights and freedoms in this nation. Rocco, uh, you said Conservatives need to reconsider voting for the Liberals. Uh, let's define terms properly. Uh, we obviously have a preferential voting system, um, and so we give preferences to different parties. Uh, whereabouts are you suggesting is uh, strategically necessary to help support the Liberal Party to hold fast to its grassroots and, and conservative foundations? Well, I mean, I think Tony Abbott said a few years ago um, that the, the geographical centre of the Liberal Party is actually moving to the western suburbs of Sydney. Um, the Liberals are still focused on, you know, the, the, the blue ribbon seats like Kuyong and Warringah, uh, etc., um, which um, don't actually, and which are now under attack, I suppose you could call it, from, from these climate independence, for, for want of a better word, for want of a better term, and the Liberals are doing everything to appease them, to, to safeguard those seats, um, forgetting um, that the, the, it's the aspirational voter uh, that, that uh, 
that is looking to the Liberal Party and has always looked to the Liberal Party um, uh, for for support. I mean, let's not forget, these are Menzies' forgotten people at the end of the day. These these are the people that Menzies spoke about in 1942 as, as being the party, as being the, the constituency which which uh, which both major parties at the time had ignored and the ones that should be supported. Um, at the moment, um, if, if voters looking um, for that support uh, do actually have alternatives. Um, you've got uh, Clive Palmer's United Australia Party, Pauline Hanson's One Nation and the Liberal Democrats. Um, they are alternatives at the moment um, that... Uh, that, would, that are putting out and promoting policies that once upon a time um, the Liberal Party would have supported. Uh, I mean, and it's still on the Liberal Party's website that it believes in individual freedom and the free market and all those things, but they're just words now, I think, and you, you, voters now have to look, well, which parties actually stand up for these things? Which parties actually want to walk the walk? Um, and strategically, um, you should put your vote for, for those parties um, and put... I mean, in any particular. I mean, this is what I this is what I'm doing. Um, Liberals third last, Labor second last, and the Greens last. Um, it's like history has come full circle fifty years later because Sir Robert Menzies in 1972 was so disgusted with what the Liberal Party had become that he voted DLP. Now, the DLP in the 50s and 60s actually helped the coalition win some elections um, and kept them in government, but also uh, had in, in policy outcomes in terms of what was implemented in this country. And we need the same kind of thing to happen. We need a force on the right to actually pull the Liberals back to the right um, because the Greens have pulled the ALP and the Liberals to the left. Yeah, very much so. Augusto, in just wrapping up the, the conversation about the purpose for writing this book, um, it's great to give people more information. Uh, Locke Press is named after John Locke, um, yeah. who is famous for advocating, um, amongst other things, liberty of speech, uh, mm. liberty of conscience and, and liberty in general. Uh, the, the theory being that more information helps people make better decisions as opposed to having gatekeepers and, and guardians of information, also known as censors. Um, what is it, though, that you would hope people do with the information that you and Rocco have collated together in in this record on Scott Morrison's policies and philosophies as a politician? Well, I, I would hope that uh, this will help them or assist them to make a wise decision because this uh, upcoming election is extremely important for the future of this nation. And what Rocco and I uh, decided to do is to provide this general account of what is taking place. We are not telling anyone that they have to vote to a certain political party, but we have a commitment to the truth of these matters. And we really thought it was the time to reveal the reality of what is happening in this country expecting that perhaps those who have betrayed us, uh, the conservative values that we uphold and the classical liberal values that so many of our friends and even myself uphold will not be uh, disregarded by the government anymore. It's true to say that uh, Robert Menzies, uh, in the end of his uh, political career, was very disappointed with the state 
of the Liberal Party back in those days. And unfortunately, things haven't improved, as you know, and quite to the contrary. Uh, the Prime Minister seems to have a, a, a disregard, an absolute disregard for freedoms in general, including free speech, by the way. And this uh, problem of him uh, being so much a person deeply infected by the authoritarian left-wing worldview has um, caused so much damage to uh, the nation. And this is something that uh, I could witness even before uh, things got uh, totally out of control uh, via these COVID measures. But before that, he was even uh, supporting the idea of suppressing more freedoms and more rights in this country. In the IPA in 2019, the Institute uh, uh, for Public Affairs in 2019 had already released a report claiming that this government is the worst violator of fundamental rights and freedoms in the whole history of Australia. So he might very well go to history, perhaps because he had the opportunity to be so dreadful as possibly the worst prime minister in the whole in the whole history of this nation. So why we are writing this book to prove this point that the IPA made a couple of years ago in 2018 that indeed Scott Morrison is a dreadful prime minister that must never ever be rewarded for the crimes that he has committed against the people of this nation and certainly for violating so grossly basically principles of the rule of law and uh, clear provisions in the constitution that were made by our founding fathers to protect us against tyranny. Rocco Loyacono, Augusto Zimmerman, thank you very much for joining us in this first episode of uh, your podcast promoting the book Deconstructing ScoMo. Uh, in the next episode, we're going to ask our authors the next question, which is, who is Scott Morrison? Make sure you're subscribed to Good Source Podcasts and to the Good Source newsletter, and we will see you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>